following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. And I can't really explain what it was, but as I was out there swinging and hitting some of these balls, I really felt like heaven kind of opened up and God was smiling down on me somehow, some way. But something happened that when I'd hit these balls, most of them went flying straight, almost to the end, and rolled and hit the fence. And I'm, I'm thinking, this is like a miracle. This is, this is I mean, it's a miracle straight up, because usually I'm slicing and dicing. I'm like, this is crazy. So I'm loving every minute. I still can't get over it. It's like a euphoric moment at the, at the driving range. And as I'm hitting these balls, I'm realizing I got to go use the restroom, but I can't leave this spot. There's something happening right now that I can't leave this spot. So I'm hitting some more balls, just loving every minute of this. And then my friend says, hey, let's take a break and go get a soda. And I said, I, I can't leave. He's like, what do you mean you can't leave? I said, watch, I'll show you. And I, and I was hit, hitting these balls. He said, what are you doing? I said, I have no idea. But there's something about I'm hitting the sweet spot right now. And I, I don't even know how or why, but I'm, I'm hitting this sweet spot and everything's working beautifully. So I, I can't even walk away right now. So uh, I finished hitting that bucket of balls in that sweet spot, loving every minute of it. I've never been able to find that sweet spot since. <laughs> I want to confess that. But there's something about the sweet spot. When you hit things in the sweet spot, it's amazing what can, what can happen. Uh, Mark McGuire said, when I feel the ball hit right on the sweet spot, a home run is just around the corner. And I believe spiritually the same is true with you and I. When we are functioning in our spiritual sweet spot, there's a spiritual home run right around the corner. And I want to talk to you this morning about your spiritual sweet spot because you have a spiritual sweet spot. God's given you a sweet spot in the spiritual realm. And my prayer today is that we discover that. We're looking at spiritual gifts today. And spiritual gifts, when God gave them out, he's giving you a sweet spot. And for us to understand what that sweet spot is and how it works is really important because it's a game changer. Uh, God can use you in ways to affect the lives of others and literally be a world changer if, in fact, you're willing to come to terms with your spiritual sweet spot and step out in faith and start using it for the glory of God. Radical stuff. Um, If you have your Bible, if you can open up to 1 Corinthians 12, we're looking at the topic of spiritual gifts today. And we started out the year talking about vision and and direction from God. And we looked at last week our natural talents, that God gave us all these talents. And we're kind of putting a a picture together of how God uniquely made you distinctly with a plan in mind and, and a place for you and I to discover our place in God's kingdom, to discover our place in God's beautiful matrix that he has out there and that we can understand. And today we're looking at the spiritual gift part of it, really your spiritual sweet spot. And so... um, In 1 Corinthians 12, to set this up, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. Uh, A lot of the New Testament letters, Paul's writing to these churches, and he's he's talking about some great things about them, and maybe some areas where they need a little tune-up, but the Corinthian church specifically had tons of spiritual gifts. In fact, they they seem to have more spiritual gifts than the other churches because there's so much uh, example and expression of spiritual gifts going on. Uh, And Paul doesn't knock it. He doesn't condemn it. In fact, he condones it. Want to be clear on that. But the problem with the spiritual gifts in the church of Corinth is that they were using them for selfish reasons. 
they weren't using them in order and they were using them selfishly. And Paul's like, wow, there's so much capacity here. But I have to give you guys a little instruction on what these really are so you understand their capacity, but also the right way to use them. And so he, he writes this section of scripture to the Corinthian church on, on spiritual gifts. Starts out in verse 1, and he says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. And I want to just stop right there because it warrants a pause. About spiritual gifts, don't be ignorant. About spirituals, it actually says in the Greek, about spirituals, I don't want you to be ignorant. Uh, the word is pneumaticos, and it's where we get our word. If any of you are in a trade of any kind where you work on cars or wood, uh, how many of you have ever, ever used, gentlemen, an air tool before? Huh? Ooh, ooh, come on. <laughs> Something about using an air tool. If, if you're, say you get a flat tire, and you have to change the flat the old school way. You know, bending down and turning that. And then you have the opportunity of using an air tool. Woo, 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 woo. That is amazing. Because that tool, when air is run through it, even though you don't see the air, it turns it into a whole other level of capacity. That's a pneumatic tool. An air tool is a pneumatic tool. And Paul is saying, I want to tell you about pneumaticos. I want to tell you about these spirituals. They're, they're invisible but they're very real and very powerful. Much like an air tool, is, the capacity is, it's a game changer. And Paul's saying, look, I want to talk to you guys about these pneumaticos. I want to talk to you about these spiritual things that God gives you. Gifts is the proper word, but the text just says these spiritual, these spiritual things. And these gifts are unseen and they're powerful. They are special God-given abilities and endowments by His grace to everybody. And he's like, I want to talk to you guys about them. They're for reaching others and for being used by God in, in a beautiful way. And he says, this is what's important right from the beginning. He says, please don't be ignorant about them. Now that's an amazing way to start this thing out because we're talking about these invisible endowments. And Paul's telling the Corinthian church, don't be ignorant about them. Um, in other words, he's saying... Don't ignore the reality of spiritual gifts. And that's a big thing because depending on where you come from and you're, what, maybe you were never raised in the faith or you're new to the faith or maybe you have a different uh, denominational background, when you talk about spiritual gifts, the pendulum swings a little bit as to what to do with them. Paul is saying, don't be ignorant. Some uh, believers, some Christians might not know anything about spiritual gifts and that's exactly the point. Paul's saying, listen, don't be ignorant about spiritual gifts. Don't ignore them. It's a big thing. In fact, be a good time to tell somebody next to you, I don't think we're supposed to be ignorant about these spiritual gifts. Go ahead. <laughs> we're, we're not supposed to be ignorant about them. And so... In this room, there's maybe different levels of insight, but I want to unpack this a little bit because I think there's a lot of revelation, a lot of insight. There's a lot of potential to be unlocked in this reality of spiritual gifts. He's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant. Don't ignore them. That means learn about them, discover them, begin to use them, practice them, share them. Don't be ignorant about them. 
Don't, don't say, well, whatever, I'm not really concerned. Paul's like, you should be concerned. They are a big deal. These are spiritual, powerful resources, gifts that God has given to his people. If you believe in the resurrected Jesus, if you've committed to follow the resurrected Jesus, then this is talking to you. The spiritual gifts are for the people of God. And if you've said yes to Jesus, the spiritual gifts are a reality for you. And believe me, if you want to be an effective Christian, you want to know about your spiritual gifts. You need to know about your spiritual gifts. It's like the difference of working on that car, changing that tire with the hand tools or picking up an air tool. It's that big of a difference. Spiritual gifts, the invisible power of this supernatural living God moving through a gift and endowment in the lives of his people to change the world around us. It's, it's radical stuff. Uh, if you're a note taker this morning, I want to hit on a few things. The first thing is my spiritual gifts are, are to be discovered, practiced, and shared. Discovered, practiced, and shared. Not just to learn about it. Yes, let's learn, let's discover what it is. But it's got to get practiced, and it's got to get shared. The whole point in Corinthians, they discovered and practiced. They weren't sharing anything. They were being very selfish about the way. He's like, no, discover it practice it and share it, give it away. And when we begin to do this, it begins to change everything about our fellowship, about our church, about our circle of friends around other believers. When we start to function this way, radical stuff happens. Uh, A couple of notes I just want to hit on this because, again, there are some, uh, unfortunately, they have a view that somehow spiritual gifts are no longer for today. They were taught that, they were told that. I will tell you in the history of Christianity... That concept, the concept of spiritual gifts being gone, was never even mentioned until about 1906. That's when somebody came out with a doctrine, a principle, a theory saying, well, spiritual gifts died with the apostles. It's never been stated, never been practiced, never been believed, never been lived out by the church that way. I don't think that's fair to say that. In fact, Romans 11:29 says God's gifts, God's gifts, and his calling are irrevocable. In other words, God gives them and he doesn't snatch them back. We used to use the term as a, as a kid, Indian giver. You guys ever use that term as a little kid? You know, uh, Indians had a different way of bartering and trading than the Westerners who came over. Uh, they were able to trade things and then take it back again. And there was like, I guess there was a methodology of that. And so the, the, the premise is, you know, God is not an Indian giver. He's not given a gift and snatching a gift back. His gifts and his call are irrevocable. He gives them out. He doesn't snatch them back. We don't see him giving anything to the church that he's snatched back. There is no valid good argument. I know some have that view or that position, but there's no, I don't think, honest biblical truth to that. In fact, in the Great Commission in Mark 16, Jesus said, look, you guys go into all the world uh, preaching the good news and making disciples. And then he says, these signs are going to follow you, supernatural things, invisible realities, endowments, including driving out demons, healing the sick, speaking in other tongues, and on and on and on. There's a thing that happened with the early church that was never designed to go away. If you've been taught that it was, I really challenge you to rethink that and check the word for yourself. Rather than talk to someone who believes it did go away and will try to convince you of that, read the word at face value. And what you will find is you will discover that nowhere does God say, by the way, I'm giving you these tools, I'm giving you these resources, I'm giving you these spiritual endowments of my grace, and guess what? They expire in about 20 or 40 years. 
He doesn't say when the apostles die, they expire. He doesn't say when you finally get the Bible into print around the year 300, they expire. It doesn't say anything like that, but some have conjured that conclusion, and I don't think it's fair or balanced. But it says in Hebrews 2.4, I love this one, talking about how God confirms his own word. It says he confirms his word with signs, wonders, various miracles, and listen to this, gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. In other words, God given out spiritual gifts and the gifts that God gives out to his people are supposed to be an evidence of God and his word. And that's why Paul's saying it's such a big deal. Let's not be ignorant about it. Let's come to terms with what these things are because these are a display of God's grace and God's glory. And I think the devil would want them covered, hindered, ignored, or forgotten. But I believe the Bible's telling us that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are distributed according to God's will so that God's word is confirmed. Uh, The passage goes on in 1 Corinthians in verse 2, and it says, um, talking about the background of the Corinthians, um, saying, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is saying by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In other words, there's a compelling reality of what drives us. There were things that used to lead us a certain way and motivated us and influenced us, and now we're led and influenced by the Holy Spirit. Um, Many of you have days when you you lived a different lifestyle before you came to Christ. Those would be your BC days before Christ. Back then, you did things differently. This side of the kingdom, you do it differently. And back in those days, like the Corinthians, we were influenced and led by different things. But now he's saying we're influenced and led by the Spirit. And this is where he segues beautifully into an understanding of these gifts. In fact, we have this up on the projector right here. It says this. If you have your Bible, you might want to underline this because this is pretty, there's a lot of revelation in this. It says, there are different kind of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Uh, If you have your Bible, you might want to understand, underline gifts and spirit. You might want to underline service and Lord. And you might want to underline working and God, because this is really cool. God's saying there's such a diversity of endowments that God gives his people. There's so much grace to be had in different forms. Paul's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want, you to, I want you to know what part of God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit has given out what to who, how, and when. And this is pretty, pretty explosive to me. This is a snapshot. It's a revelation of, wow, that's pretty insightful, I think. And Paul's like, don't be ignorant. He breaks them down in different. There's gifts from the Spirit. There's service from the Lord. There's working uh, from God, and, and the gifts, the term for gift here in the Greek is, is charisma, charisma. It's where we get our word charismatic from. Charismatic is normally a term, if somebody is charismatic, they seem to be gifted. They're gifted, they're animated, there's some expression going on in a different way. They're charismatic in their, in, in their presentation or display or, or their demeanor, but when we're talking biblically here, when it's saying charisma, the gifts, when we, when we use the term charismatic, it usually means a believer who simply 
takes Paul at his word and says, about spiritual gifts, I'm not going to be ignorant. It's a believer who says, I believe in spiritual gifts. A believer who believes in spiritual gifts is one who would be charismatic by definition. I think Paul is saying, I want to tell you about the spiritual gifts. Don't be ignorant. And I know in the family of believers, the pendulum swings as far as those who function and believe in gifts and those who don't really have room for them. I would encourage you, like Paul says, don't be ignorant. Discover, use, and, and, and put them on display. Spiritual gifts are a, an endowment of God's grace. And he's saying that these are from the Spirit. These gifts are from the Spirit. We said the gifts from the Spirit, the service from the Lord Jesus, the working from God referring to the Father, the gifts, that's, these are referred to gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he's like, about these gifts of the Holy Spirit, about all the gifts that God gives out, don't be ignorant, understand them. So these special ones, and these gifts, by the way, are listed in this passage we're looking at today. We're going to cover them in a minute. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, There are other gifts that God gives out, and he explains them right here. Uh, The next one, he says in verse 5, was the gifts of service. These are different kinds of services coming from the same Lord, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the Spirit of God is authoring some of the gifts. Jesus the Christ is authoring some of these as well. And the Father is authoring some of these as well. And that's a pretty pretty cool little snapshot for Paul writing to a church who has gifts but doesn't know much about them, is using them the wrong way for the wrong reasons and says, listen, don't be ignorant about them. Let me explain it to you. There's gifts from the Spirit. There's these other radical service realities, components to the kingdom, and they're from Jesus, the Christ, the Lord. And and the Father also allows these other realities, and and it says there's different kinds of working, but the same God. So the gifts is the charisma, the charismatic things from the Spirit of God. The service is the is the word in Greek, diakonia, where we get our word deacon from. It's, a, it's an anointed service. It's where God says, I am going to do something by my spirit through you in an area of service. It's a service role. The early church found men and women that were filled with the spirit and had these offices, if you will, of, of serving God. It's where we get our word deacon from. They're ways of doing ministry. These are coming from the Lord Jesus. The gifts from the spirit, these other services from the Lord Jesus. And the last one is the workings from the Father. The word is energema, where we get our word energy from. In other words, it's not specifically a gift that you have. It's not specifically a service that you do. It's really God showing up and doing a work through you. This can be a little bit unique and different. This might be maybe someone doesn't have a gift of healing or a gift of miracles, but God wants to do one right now, and he's looking for someone who's going to step up and be available. And so the energy of God, the energema of God through somebody to do something that is literally available and God willing to use. And that's pretty cool. But this is a, this is a general overview of these gifts that we don't want to be ignorant about from the Spirit, from Jesus the Son, the Lord, and from the Father. Um, in fact, if you're, if you're interested in this, if you're a note taker and you want to go deeper, and some of you, I think you really need to uh, unpack this a little bit more, um, the gifts of the Spirit we're looking at here in Romans 12. We're looking at them today, um, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to look at those, a list of some of those. If you want to know more about the services, 
from Jesus. Look at Ephesians 4.11. You'll look more at some of the actual services. That's not all of them. We know deacon is one in, in, in the book of Acts and, and, and elders and pastors. But Ephesians 4.11, there's a, there's a list there as well of some of these uh, service ministries that God, uh, Jesus the Christ, gives away as a gifting. And the other one, the workings from the Father, the energy of God through people is listed in Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. You can take a look at that and you'll see, wow, these are some amazing things. Now, the Bible even lists more gifts than that. If you want to be exhaustive about it, if you want to be you know, more comprehensive, you can look throughout the whole Bible and see radical endowments of God's grace in many different forms, even beyond some of the things that are specifically listed here. For example, David was an anointed worship leader. When David would play worship music, demons would run. You guys remember the story? You know, uh, Saul is tormented by demons and he would just start lifting up praises to God and, and hell cannot stand in the presence of worship like that. And so the demons are on the run and everyone knows, well, bring David in and we know hell will flee when David comes and worships. Pretty amazing. Where's that gift listed in the Bible? Well, we don't see the gift listed on a, on a list per se, but we do know it's a spiritual reality. And there are many other gifts listed throughout the Bible that are not just in these areas I told you about, but they're listed and God does profound uh, things through, through, through his people. These are all various displays of his grace. They're, they're endowments he gives out. There's ways he uses us. They're invisible things that when God finds the right channel to use them through, it changes the world around us. That's why Paul's saying, don't be ignorant about spiritual gifts. They are that powerful. There's so much God can do through us if we're willing to understand, learn, discover, and walk in uh, the spiritual gifts. I, I love this verse. Verse 7 right here says this. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit. I want you to think about that for a minute. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one of you. Each one of you. If you've said yes to the resurrected Jesus, the manifestation of the Spirit has been given to each one of you. It's been given to me. And I don't know if you get a visual of what that would look like. The manifestation of the Spirit. I mean, we were hanging out up in the new year. The guys were up on the hill. We went up in Chatsworth just really seeking God. And as I was reading the word, this jumped out at me like off the page. The manifestation of the Spirit. And I want you guys to camp out on that for a minute. What does that look like? What is the manifestation of the Spirit that has been given to you as believers? What does it look like? I mean, can you see? Can you see it? Can you get a, can you get a visual on it? Because Paul says, go further on this. Go further. Don't be ignorant. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. In other words, there is an expression. A manifestation is something that you didn't see it there and poof, it's manifest. Wow. It's, it's present now. It's visible. It's evident. It's, it's, it's alive. There is an expression that is undeniable. That's what happens when something is, is manifest. And Paul's saying, I want you to know that there's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit for each of you. Now, that's pretty radical to me. It's pretty insightful because I think when a church begins to come to terms with this beautiful manifestation of the Spirit, this beautiful diversity given by God to His people, 
Wow, what in the world could that look like? You know, the Bible talks about how the angels look at us in awe. The angels look down in awe. The angels look down, and I think they're pretty surprised. The angels look down at us, and they say from their vantage point, they're not human, and they don't have the capacities we do. They have different capacities than us, and, you know, they're looking down going, wow, do they have any idea of that manifestation of the Spirit each of them have? I mean, do they? I don't know if they do. And a lot of them don't. A lot of believers are just hanging on, waiting for the Lord to come back. And he's like, no, you have a manifestation. You have an expression of the Spirit of God, an endowment of His grace that is a game changer for you and for those around you. If we come to terms, if we start expressing it in faith, in order, for the glory of God, it's a radical thing. There is a reality here, and I'm hoping, I I pray that as you go home today, and when you go to bed tonight, as you're praying, saying, Lord, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given, Would would you give me more insight? Would you show me what that looks like? Would you show me what it could look like? What did you give me? Because by the way, it says to each one. So everyone who believes in the resurrected Jesus, if he's your Lord, there is a manifestation specifically given to you of the Holy Spirit. And wouldn't it be glorious if we saw all those manifestations on display? Amen? I mean, you guys get a visual of that? Because that's where Paul's going. Paul's going there to a church in Corinth who has gifts, but they're not... There's selfish reasons. They don't know about them. They're doing them the wrong way. He's like, guys, don't stop using the gifts, but please use them the right way. Don't be ignorant. Understand there's a glorious manifestation of the Spirit, and it's ready to be on display. And I think he gets it, and he's trying to get them to get it. But it says about this, if there is one, if there is a manifestation of the Spirit for each one of us, then we have to discover it. We have to uncover it. We have to put it on display. If there's, a, if there's a manifestation of the Spirit, and there is, discover it, uncover it, display it, act on it. And here's the beauty. He says this manifestation that God gives every single one of his people, this manifestation, here, here, here's the part that the Corinthians miss totally, and this is the part we need to really get. This is the heart of it. There's beautiful gifts, there's diversities, there's radical things God's doing. He's giving them out to each person. Don't be ignorant about them, but here's the deal. He says they are given for this reason. Here's the reason they're given out. Not the way the Corinthians are using them. Hey, check me out. And I got this. What about you? And they're comparing their gifts and they're showing off. He's like, no, no, no. You guys are missing the whole point. Here is the reason he gave the gifts. Verse 7 says they're given for the common good. For the common good. Everybody say common good. Common good. It's for the common good. These gifts are given out for the common good. Some of your translations will say for the mutual edification, which really means my gift is to bless you and help build you up. Your gift is to help build up those around you. This is the design in God's beautiful matrix, the way God in his all-knowing power and sovereignty, the way he decided to give out gifts was so that we could help one another grow one another, strengthen one another, bless one another, and that becomes the contagious kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of God that is contagious, it is undeniable, it is on display, there's a manifestation of God doing something among his people, but what the Corinthians were doing, they weren't doing anything for the common good, they were doing it for their own good. 
So the gifts are not for self-centered reasons. The gifts are for others-centered reasons. And that is the core, that is the heart of spiritual gifts. These manifestations of the Spirit are others-centered in their end result, in their, in their display and how they should be worked out and manifest. And I, I just really think, guys, if we could look a little further down the road and pray, ask God, spiritually God, what does it look like that the manifestation of the Spirit that you gave me, your word says you gave me one, I believe it. And by the way, it says to each one a manifestation is given. That means everybody has got a spiritual gift. Everybody's got a spiritual gift. That's what the Bible says. If Jesus is your Lord, you have a spiritual gift. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, for the mutual edification, for the building of each other up. That's explosive right there. Because when we start to function in that realm, everything changes. Everything changes. Uh, if, you're a, if you're a note taker this morning, that's uh, our second point. Every believer has a manifestation waiting to be discovered. Every believer has a manifestation. The word promises that. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Every believer has a manifestation waiting to be discovered. That means there's at least one spiritual gift going on in there. Come to terms, discover, begin to uncover it, begin to display it, begin to act on it in faith. God's a God of order. Where the Spirit is, there is liberty. There is freedom. And God's a God of order. And you, you check the word, what it says about gifts, and you step out in faith and start functioning in them. And th- there's the beauty right there. The reason, again, the common good, not for your own benefit, but for helping others. Uh, I love this scripture too, and I, we have it for up here for you. Uh, 1 Peter 4.10, I love this. It says that the gifts, the gifts are given. Uh, every believer has a manifestation. Oh, would you put on uh, 1 Peter up there? 1 Peter 4.10. Uh, each one should use. Now, this is, like, this is like a thesis of what we're talking about today. Each one should use whatever gift they have that's been received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Think about that. Every believer, what gift you've been given, all of us, everything you've received, it's for serving others, mutual edification, building others up, listening to this. this I love this. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. See, when we think of the grace of God, we think of what Jesus did on the cross, and that is explosive. That is like, we got what we don't deserve, and thank you, Jesus, for taking away sins and making a way and, and, and restoring relationship with the Father. Thank you for heaven that, that's, that's guaranteed. That Thank you for these things. But he's saying there's more grace than that. That's grace, and that's huge, but there's even more grace. You see, God put his grace in us in various forms. There's a diversity of this manifestation. And the grace in its various forms is supposed to be on display. And I just love that when we look at something like that, you and I are supposed to be faithfully, not just discovering the gift. It's good to discover. We've got to begin with discovery. But once you discover, we're supposed to faithfully administer God's grace in its various forms. And there are so many various forms. And when you get to see those forms in display, it's, it gets more beautiful all the time. Because you see people with, a, with grace in a different form than you have, and it's beautiful. And you have a different grace than somebody else does, and that's beautiful. And there's a beautiful diversity in God's matrix of these gifts on display, these manifestations of the Holy Spirit that are all others-centered, and it just changes everything. Guys, this is the kingdom of God. 
It's the kingdom of God. It's not the way the world does it. It's God's kingdom. But when we do things like when we believe God for what he says, when we, when we function in his grace as he lays out, when we're not ignorant, this becomes the contagious kind of faith. This is the kind of faith that the early believers, were, the Romans were looking at, and they're saying, what's up with those people? I mean, they, they've got love in their community. They're other-centered. We've never seen anything like it. And they're saying, well, we're just following the word. God gave grace in its various forms. To each one, there's a manifestation given. And we're just sharing it. That's all. We're just sharing it. And that's something that was baffling. And, and it's baffling today, too. It's baffling today when the world sees a community of believers administering God's grace in its various forms. It's a display that has to be reckoned with. Um, the third point this morning is, it's not about keeping my gift. It's about giving it away. It's about giving it away. Uh, this is the only gift that you get. You know, some people are given gifts in the natural realm and they give you a gift because they want you to keep it. But God said, I gave you that gift because I want you to give it away. And you can't give it away. You still have it and you keep giving it away and he keeps blessing it more. You keep giving it away. And this is how we grow in our gifts. We get stretched. We grow when we function in more responsible and, and, and powerful ways. But it's not about keeping the gift. It's about giving the gift away. Verse 8, I'm going to hit on some of these gifts real quick. Um, It says this, To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. Let me just look at some of these briefly. We don't have time to get into them in detail, but a word of knowledge. This is how the Spirit of God moves through somebody where as you're talking with them or counseling with them or they're praying for you, that all of a sudden they know something that they, there's no way they could know that. They can't know that because you didn't tell them. They can't know something about you or your situation because it was never revealed to them by anybody and they didn't talk to anybody you know. They might be a complete stranger, but by the same Spirit, there is a word of knowledge. It's an insight. You guys have heard the expression, only God knows. Yeah, it's true, only God knows. But because only God knows, by His Spirit, he can, he can give an insight to someone if they're responsible with their gift, if they have an ear towards heaven, if they say, my gift isn't for me, it's to give away God, where God can say, this is a word for them. It's a word of knowledge. It's something that how would you ever know that unless God told you that, because I haven't told anybody. That's a word of knowledge. That's really important. That's radical. When we see these gifts function, not only to understand if you have that gift, but if you do, to administer it in faith, rather than like, I'm not saying anything. Look, if you have a gift, the devil doesn't want you to use it. If you have a gift and you do use it, this is where things change around you. And if you've ever had somebody give you a word of knowledge and you already know on the inside, God, that was only you. Only you could have done that. That is radical stuff. Uh, Much is true with the next one, a word of wisdom. A word of wisdom is not that word of knowledge that nobody can know. It's a word of wisdom where the Spirit of God is telling somebody, this is the better course. This is the better direction. 
This is what I'm doing right now. It's not a matter of how did you know that. It's a matter of God's wisdom presented in a direction or, a, or, or, or in counsel. It's a supernaturally revealed wisdom. It's not the knowledge of the unknown. It's the best way to go about doing something. And godly counsel, the Spirit of God knows all things and searches all things, the Bible says. The Bible calls him the, the counselor. He's the comforter and the counselor. And some are a little extra tuned into God in this area. And they have an ear towards heaven. And they're a humble servant. And God has given them counsel, not in this form of knowledge, but in wisdom. This is the right thing to do. And so when you're helping one another and you're sharing with one another, and you give someone some direction. I, I, I've just been praying. I really think this is from the Lord for you. And you share it. They can go home, and they need to pray about that. But the reality is, if it is from the Lord, they'll say, you know what you told me? It's from the Lord. Have you, you ever been in that situation in your life where somebody told you something, and later on you were like, what they told me? That was God using them. It's beautiful when it happens. It's beautiful when it happens. You always check the word. You test everything. The Bible says test the spirits. We're supposed to do that. You just don't listen to advice and go running down a road recklessly. You pray. You seek God. His counsel is will. But what you will find is that if people are functioning in gifts in these areas, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, it is, it's, it's like God giving us a whole other layer of life, guys. There's another layer to, to be had for victory, how we live victoriously and how we overcome and how we're more than conquerors and Spiritual gifts is part of it. Uh, another one is faith. That spiritual gift of faith is, yeah, we all have faith. We all believe in Jesus, but somebody's got crazy level of faith. You, ever, you know, you run into somebody, they got some crazy level of faith. Like, I'm just, that's it. I'm just taking my backpack, and I'm going across the world, and I don't know where I'm going or what I'm doing, but I trust God's going to, and you're like, whoa, seriously? Yeah, that's, that's a gift of faith right now. It's either psychotic or it's faith. No, <laughs> it's faith. It's faith. It's that kind of faith like, when the apostles are all in the boat, right, with Jesus, and they're looking out, and they're all seeing the same Jesus. But Peter, the, the one who sounds crazy, says, if it's you, tell me to come to you, and I'm going to actually walk on water. The other ones are saying, I might think that, but I'm never going to say that. <laughs> See, that's the difference between faith and this, gift, this kind of faith that's like, what are you going to do? You're going to get out of a boat in a storm and walk on water? Are you crazy? Big faith, big faith. And when people around us have that crazy level of faith, that big faith, they also f- spur us on. When we're struggling in an area of faith, you want people around you with a gift of faith to say, come on, I see further than what you're seeing and it, it doesn't end that way for you. Come on, get out of the boat and go. God is with you. He'll never leave or forsake you. You know, his pr- promises are yes and amen in Christ. You get out and go. So that, the other one, healing, healing and miraculous power. This is when there's, there's this praying and pressing into God and standing in a kind of level where literally pains go away. Literally, cancer shrinks. Literally, things change. Metaphysical, how did that even happen? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, how do you explain it? Well, it's, it's the living God doing a work through his people. And we've prayed for that before. I don't know, it doesn't always happen exactly when we want or how we want, but I do know that when we walk according to God's word, trusting him and his promises, we leave the rest up to him, but we've seen things go away. We've seen things change. And by the way, if you have any prayer needs at all, after the service come up, God is doing things through prayer like that. There are times when the Lord is given a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or it, the, the gifts are in action you know, among us. And, and I think you've got to take advantage of that. And when we have men's and women's studies, 
There are times where this stuff's going on, and I'd say, get in at a deeper level. Be involved. But um, the next one on the list is prophecy. That's literally to speak on God's behalf. That's literally speaking the oracles of God. That's being a mouthpiece for God. Now, prophecy can either be foretelling or forthtelling. It can be futuristic forthtelling, or it could just simply be foretelling, speaking forth the heart of God. Uh, a lot of the prophecy in the Old Testament, some of it was talking about the future. This is what's going to happen, Israel, in days to come. But much of it was right here, right now. This is the heart of God towards his people and what's going on. This is God's revelation here and now among us. That's much of prophecy. Uh, prophecy, and Paul says desire prophecy. It's interesting that he says desire these gifts. In 1 Corinthians 14, he's like desire it's like, well, I thought you get what you get. He's like, no, desire spiritual gifts. You do have what you have, but desire them. Isn't that cool? You can desire them. Uh, the next is distinguishing between spirits. That's when, and I'm sure you've had situations in your life where something comes up and you're like, spiritually, it rocked your world. Whatever just happened kind of freaked you out in some kind of way. And you're thinking, is that from God? Is that from the devil? I don't know. I'm in a weird place with this. Has that ever happened? Something comes up and you're like, Whoa, I don't know what that is, but I got to figure it out pretty quick. Discerning of spirits or distinguishing of spirits is exactly that gift. That is not from the Lord. That is the Spirit of God moving among us. And then later on, you look back after the dust settles and go, oh yeah, they were right, it totally was. But at the time, not really knowing what it is. Um, you know, it could be down like feeding the homeless on Skid Row and something is happening. Is somebody psychotic and crazy or is somebody possessed? I don't know. Discerning of the spirits is God showing you and giving revelation to the source behind it in the invisible realm what the root of it is. Does that make sense? That's a spiritual gift, guys. God gives this stuff to his church. Um, the next one, speaking in tongues. This is a spiritual language. This is a prayer language. And Paul himself says to the Corinthians, look, Corinthians, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Paul says tongues is a spiritual gift. Again, people have a different view or understanding no matter how, depending on how they were raised or what they were taught. But speaking in tongues is a spiritual gift and that one is a, is a spiritual language. It's a prayer language. And part of the reason he's talking, if you want to learn more about tongues, read 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and you will learn what they were doing the wrong way. They were getting up and everybody was going crazy and he's like, that's not the way it works in the house of God. God's a God of order, not a God of chaos. And there's a way tongues are supposed to happen and the way they're not. It has to do with believers and non-believers and don't just do whatever you feel. And so uh, in a prayer meeting and things like that, yeah, great. And if it's a public display, then there's got to be an interpretation. Otherwise, there's no place for it in a public assembly. That's what he's saying. But if there's an interpretation, that's okay. But if you want to know more, read 1 Corinthians 14. But it's a spiritual language. It's a prayer language. And it's, it's, a, it's a phenomena, really, how it... How, tongues works, but really what it's happening is, what's happening is the Spirit of God in you making intercession for you, and there's a prayer going on that's bypassing intellect, bypassing language, bypassing all the checks and balances we have in our brain, that we process everything through our experiences and what we've learned. And so is it different, and is it almost bizarre? Yes, it is. On the day of Acts, the apostles were all speaking in tongues. And it doesn't necessarily say that they spoke other languages, but it does say they spoke in, they spoke, spoke in other tongues. They weren't speaking Hebrew. They weren't speaking Aramaic. 
But all the people said, you know what? I hear him speaking praises to God in my language. And other people said, no, they just sound drunk to me. Isn't that interesting? Half the crowd, now think about that. If somebody got up in English in this room and said something, for some of us to say, that's not English, they're just drunk. And the other half to go, no, I don't know what you're hearing, but I'm hearing praises to God in my language. Same thing in Spanish. If somebody got up and said something in Spanish, if somebody, half the room thought it was just drunk, and the other half the room thought they clearly heard praise, it just shows there's a spiritual language. There's something going on, that there's a, there's a praise, and it's not discernible to everyone's ear and tongue as to what it is, but it's a spiritual reality. And the next is interpretation. And again, 1 Corinthians 14 breaks that down. There's a gift of interpreting tongues. If someone speaks in a tongue in a public assembly, to be able to sense by the Spirit of God what that actually was. And when, you, when it's done in order, it is beautiful. It is God's design. And the last verse in verse 11, he says this. The Holy Spirit gives these gifts to each one just as he determines. On that note, you know, if the worship team comes up, I want to I I close on this. The Holy Spirit who knows all things, who searches all things. He's the one who gives out these gifts as he determines. He knows what's best for you. He knows what's best for me. He knows what's best for us. And if we come to terms with the gifts that he's given out, and we begin to uh, unpack them and, 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 and re- let them live on and, and show us, God, how to walk in a, a whole new level of faith to, to this discovery of this manifestation that you've given us, It's a game changer for the family of believers. And that's our last point this morning is the fourth point is that God already determined the gifts that are best for me. And my prayer is this, guys, is that we, like Paul says, say, I'm not going to be ignorant about this anymore. Maybe I was raised a different way. Maybe I didn't know anything about these gifts. But the reality is, God, if you're saying don't be ignorant, it's time to get in on some discovery. And beyond discovery, it's time to learn how to use them in a way that bless others. It's, it's time to start giving that gift away. And when you start giving your gift away for the glory of God, you are going to experience the kingdom of God in a way you never have before. You see, we, we read the word of God and we learn about the kingdom of God. But when we function in our gifts, we begin to experience the kingdom of God. And we can learn about the kingdom of God but we should also experience the kingdom of God. And if people are experiencing what they think is the kingdom of God and they've never checked the word, that could be a little reckless because that's what the Corinthians were doing. They thought, hey, this is the kingdom of God over here. And Paul's like, guys, I gotta write you some instruction here because that's not the kingdom. But if we learn about the kingdom of God, we also wanna go out and experience the kingdom of God. And we want the kingdom of God expressed around us. And Paul is saying spiritual gifts is a key component. Listen, guys, when... God gave you a gift, he gave you a ministry. When God gave you a gift, he gave you a ministry. And I think our response to that is, God, let me get in on this discovery. I want to know more about this manifestation you're talking about. I want to know what it looks like. I want to know what shape it takes on. I'm looking for an avenue to put it on display. I don't have to have it all down. I don't have to know everything. I know what he does. I I just want to start taking steps of faith, saying, here goes. I want to start getting out of the boat in my own little way of putting a gift on display for the glory of God. And so uh, if you're willing to do that, I think God's going to honor that in a big way. So right now, I just want to close in prayer. 
ask God to seal some of these things in our heart. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.